What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, and our website, talklouderpodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And uh, man, today's guest has kind of been all over the map with his musical career. Uh, I'll be honest, I never heard of the guy until you brought him to the table as a, as a potential guest and then shared some of his background with me. And I thought, wow, this guy's kind of, he's done a lot. His name is Tyson Leslie. And uh, currently he's probably best known, I guess, as the keyboard player for Vixen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, he's done a lot of stuff. I met Tyson. I met Tyson in 2017 on one of the Monsters of Rock cruises, and we he approached me, and uh, we ended up exchanging numbers. And he sent me because he wanted to send this to me. And his his sort of uh, introduction was, "Hey, I'm I'm a fan," and you know, of course, he was playing with somebody on the cruise i don't even remember who it was you'll have to watch the episode to for even me to recall who he was on the cruise with but it was probably vixen uh so he sends me this you know uh text message it's a link to a video of him singing scared with this and he we talk about it in this this episode Mm -hmm. and he's just nailing all the high screechy silly grab my balls notes on uh, on on the end of scared and i'm just like wow that's that's awesome and he's a remember he's a keyboard player but he plays everything he plays bass he plays guitar he sings he he does everything and he's probably some kind of weird computer whiz too but we didn't even uncover that part of him you could just tell (laughs) once you his camera comes on you're like whoa where the hell is he is he driving the millennium falcon yeah (laughs) it's you're reading my mind is he sitting at the desk and is he driving the ss you know enterprise what the hell is going on anyway um so he's also a producer as well anyway so he sings he 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 does an impression of me and he sends it to me and i'm just like what that's crazy yeah. um and that's kind of how we met so we kept running into each other and staying in touch and now i call him a friend and uh, we were both on that ellison record the no covers album which mm-hmm. was released sort of mid lockdown pandemic kind of thing and and uh he he arranged the kiss song beth on there that mm-hmm. That he, I think he sang some some on it. Bumblefoot sang some on it, and of course Tom Hazard sang on it. The elf yeah. singer, uh, who's also been a guest here. Um, right. So he knows all of those. Everyone that's on that record, he knows all of them. So yeah. I don't know. I can't even say that. You know. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of how we met, and it's just ridiculous how busy this guy is with whatever and anyone who who needs his services and he's such a pleasant uh workaholic i'll yeah. just say yeah. uh, he has kids and a family and a, a mortgage and a you know he's a regular guy on top of uh, just this completely unsung guy uh right. you know i mean i mean i know you're impressed yeah yeah i mean uh i was looking at i was doing some research and you know he's he's currently most involved with vixen but he's uh he's worked with Corey taylor from slipknot fame slipknot and stone sour he's worked with dave ellison um 
he's where he plays with faster pussycat gets up and jams with them on these monsters of rock cruises or whenever they're in town wherever he happens to be if they cross paths they invite him up and he plays some piano uh on stage with faster pussycat uh the thing that got me was that uh, one of his earlier gigs was well i don't know if it's early in his timeline but uh, one of the gigs that he had was playing with uh, Tracy Lawrence, who is a huge country Western star. Um, so we've not had a lot of people on this show that can say that they've been out. Well, we did. Uh, I, I should correct myself. We had uh, Bobby Charzonvek, who's uh, well, yeah, he's playing with George Strait. Yeah, biggest, biggest country guy out there. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, Tracy Lawrence, uh, a, a big deal uh, at one time. And our guest Tyson today uh, had a gig with him. Uh, it didn't end so well, and Tyson's a good sport about sharing that story with us. Uh, yeah, you, you'll uh, have to just watch the episode to just hear hear how that uh, <laughs> debacle happened. And uh, he did sort of go go south in his mood for a second. He's like, oh, well. yeah. One of the things I enjoyed about having him as a guest is he's just real and honest, and you know, he'll tell you when he stepped in the poop, and he'll tell you when things have gone great, and. Uh, and even the times that things don't go so great, apparently he handles them with class and and, and rolls with the punches very well. So he's pretty uh, much worked with almost everyone who's involved with the big four. He's worked with uh, Paul Gilbert, uh, you know, Racer X, Mr. Big, and of course Paul Gilbert is known as a solo artist. Um, he's worked. He's done stuff with Billy Sheehan. So yeah. he's kind of this crazy everybody's buddy hey i need a keyboard player hey i need you to direct this show with me da 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 uh he's good with spreadsheets you'll learn that <laughs> tyson leslie if i need some spreadsheet work done i'm calling you buddy yeah <laughs> i don't think we've had anyone on the show that uh has claimed spreadsheets as being one of their talents so right. another first well you know it's not in his bio but i'm gonna go get my crayons <laughs> out and write it in his bio if i find a hard copy no you're missing some shit on here so. <laughs> no a lot of fun uh covered a lot of ground with him because he's done a lot of things and yeah. uh, we were real happy to have him <laughs> You know, Tyson, I just want to jump in and and tell you it's it's been a a pleasure finally meeting you. I think that we were actually on a cruise or two and maybe even the Ellison no covers was out already before we met. Yeah, well, we met I think on my very first cruise. It was brief though. On I, I think it was 2017 or maybe 18. Oh, it's possible. 18. It was my first cruise because you guys were on there that year, and then you were not on the next year, and then you were on. I guess was it last year? This year, I guess. So see, that's how they jerk you around. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do them all. You have to do. Yeah, you know, nope, not nope, no. Okay, this. Yeah, nope. Next year, nope. Okay, next. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how they decide all that stuff. I mean, we we do tend to be kind of. Uh, um, I don't know, since we're on the same management and all that stuff. Uh, thank you. Um, we, we seem to be on it almost every year, but we weren't this year because, you know, we had one person that couldn't make it, uh, due to the vaccine stuff and all that fun yeah. stuff. So no, when you, know. you say we clarify, cause you're, uh, oh, right. um, uh, my, my, my main job, I guess, uh, for lack of a better thing is I play keyboards and tour manage for the band Vixen. 
Right on. That's what I thought. That's what I thought you were talking about. It's mainly. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely worst gigs to have. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty fun. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, I bet it's fun and never a dull moment with with those ladies uh, because they're probably fucking hilarious. They are. They're a lot of fun. Uh, You know, everybody gets one thing about that band. It's great. It's just they've all kind of they're all pros. They've done it and they've been there doing it for a long time. And. Mm So the drama level is extremely low. Um, in fact, for, for most part, it's fairly non-existent. Yes. And, the, and then being kind of a hired gun in this situation and all that, uh, when there is drama, I'm usually not privy to it until after it's happened. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like, okay, that part's above my pay grade, so I don't even have to deal with it, which I kind of enjoy that part of it too. And the other thing I also enjoy, I don't have to do, like signings and all those kinds of things. I'm just like, okay, bye girls. See you later. And I'll go off and do whatever I want or go watch the next band or whatever, all those kinds right. of things. How did you get the Vixen gig? Um, man, I was, uh, I was pulling out of a target in, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And my phone lit up. It was a guy named Tony Higby and Tony plays guitar for uh, Tom Kiefer. And, I was like, what the hell is this guy calling me about? Cause I didn't, at that point I had not been in Nashville very long. So I didn't know a lot of people and I barely knew Tony. I, I mean, in fact, I don't even know why his number was in my phone at that point already. And I, I was like, well, I better answer it and see what it is. And he goes, um, Cher Ross from Bixen's looking for a keyboard player that can do tour managing duties. Is that something you're able to do? And, um, I was like, yeah, sure. I can do that. So um and there i am i'm I'm doing it wow so, and how long have you been doing this now with vixen i joined in uh february of 2017 okay and it was cool because my very first gig was this arena gig in toledo ohio opening up for cheap trick and for tom tiefer and a bunch of other artists and stuff like that and so that was pretty surreal just kind of walking out of my dressing room and there's Robin Zander telling stories about world war two and his grandpa and all this stuff. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. wow. Okay. I've got to sit and listen to this. This sounds awesome. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. Wow. I think they call that holding court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Grandpa Robin, wow. tell us the story again. Yeah, It was pretty wild. Wow. So um, who's left in Vixen these days? I know, I, I believe Roxy and you mentioned. Uh, yeah. So Roxy's, uh, as of this year, um, Roxy is the only remaining original or popular lineup. I didn't even know uh, that. So Cher wow. left. Um, she announced her retirement or not retirement, but I don't know what you call hiatus. Hiatus, yeah. Uh, in February, she just got really, really busy with real estate. She she lives in Florida where like half the country's moving to all at once. And... <laughs> So her business has been booming there in that world. And so when she'd go out with us, she would lose money, you know, and she'd also get angry clients that because she wasn't able to be there for showings or this, that, or the other. So, and then just between that and some of her own personal family things, she was just like, I can't do all of this stuff. And so I've got, something's got to go. And so that's what it is. She's like, I, you know, I hope to come back and, and I, I'd like to, I just, don't right now i can't do it and so we're and so she did it in a really cool way though in a way i've never seen anybody do it before um she we brought julia who's playing for us now um she came up about three songs before the end of our set on the pre-cruise 
and and played the last three songs with so Cher made an announcement you know about her hiatus and said there's no bad blood everything's good we, you know we all still love each other or whatever i want you guys to give you know i give my blessing i want you guys to uh you know make some noise and 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 and, and welcome our new bass player who taken over and so that's, she that's handed cool. her bass over to julia and she finished out the set it was really cool that's a, that's a well, class uh, act right there. Yeah, that was awesome passing the torch yeah. right there on stage that's right. hey that's, you guys be cool. nice to my friend because she's yeah. bad yeah 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 I get it so when you it's when, tough man i i can imagine just going in i mean i filled in 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 a beloved member's shoes before yeah. and been nervous about like how am i going to be welcoming into this new thing because everybody loves this other guy and so my job with that i was in a band for years touring just band and trailer the old days kind of stuff in a band called pomeroy and i and they were really really popular here in the midwest and their keyboard player was you know pretty re regarded as a great player and which he was and everybody liked him so i was like well shit, i better come and bring my a game on this deal so i did by coming in like full on setting my keyboards on fire and just making a complete spectacle of myself and just being like, I am here. I'm going to make a, you know, I'm going to make a statement and hopefully you like it and everything went great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Perfect. When you're, when you're uh, backing out of target and you get that phone call to, to possibly join Vixen, how much of a Vixen fan were you at that time? Did you, did you have to like do a lot of, uh, uh, cramming to learn the songs or were you already pretty familiar um i was familiar with the hits yeah um i had the first album i actually had the first two records um and i had the third one on cd but i i don't think i'd ever listened to it honestly and we never played anything from it anyway because that was kind of when they were going through their identity crisis period like all 80s bands did in the early 90s where they were just like mm -hmm. wait what do we do let's go grungy or heavier which I love that record, but it's way different than the other two records, you know? Right. Um, so I knew crying and I knew, uh, obviously edge of a broken heart. Everybody knew that song and, um, and love is a killer. I knew a couple of the, uh, probably about four songs, you know? And it's funny cause when I first, my very first gig I got, when I moved to Nashville, I was there for about three months. And I hopped on a bus with a guy named Tracy Lawrence, a huge country star in the nineties. And I had never heard a single song of his. I didn't know anything about him. <laughs> and I was just sitting there cramming like crazy for that gig. I had two weeks to learn like 38 songs or something like that. And this gig, it was more like I had a month to learn, you know, not, not even that many songs. It was more like 20, 25 maybe yeah. and i came in uh, one thing i learned about the from the tracy gig though i came overly prepared so i just charted and learned every song on the first two records just in case they just called one of them and um and so me and brit lightning who's uh the guitar player that took uh took gina's spot we both auditioned at the same time got the gig at the same time and we've been there ever since so Wow. Well, wow. that's kind of cool. You had an automatic partner in crime. I'd, yeah. Yeah. That kind of, that must've taken some of the pressure off, you knowing that you weren't the only new kid on the block, you know, there was somebody else there also trying to prove themselves. And, uh, I would, I would imagine knowing that you're not the only one in a, in an established band kind of, you know, takes some of the stress off you a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I just, at that point, I was just jazzed to get the gig, you know, and I and I worked pretty hard for it. And 
um, the tour managing stuff, I'd done some, but not to, not to the extent of a band like theirs. Um, so there was a lot of learning that I had to do, but at the same time, uh, like, I don't know, it all came, it all came pretty easy. And the songs in Vixen way more my wheelhouse than Tracy Lawrence. You know, I grew up, I saw Vixen at Memorial Hall in Kansas city when I was younger. And I just remember just like looking up and just like all these hot girls with guitars and just being like completely yeah. <laughs> flabbergasted by sure. it. Yeah, I remember totally seeing him on Arsenio Hall show, you know, and, and wow. that appearance. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And so, yeah, so I, I would say and I had the poster like there was that, that there, there's this one poster that every, you know, if you're a Vixen fan, everybody had it and I had had it. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's yeah. an awesome story. I want to I want to circle back around to to what what's going on with in the Vixen camp is through your eyes and at the sure. same it, I want to move you know we were t- talking about uh, me and Dave were talking about um, like how like rich your your bio is and it's just like a dartboard it's just like so crazy all over <laughs> it is the place. Kind of, it is all in your early place. in your early uh musical days you know high school and you started even before high school uh because yeah. i saw some pretty funny photos of you posing with your hundred dollar guitar right uh, <laughs> right. i um, <clears throat> horrible i like how you said posing badly yeah uh, <laughs> you, you yourself under wrote the captions with, i did fantastic um the uh all over the place being that you were you were in like you were into like thrash metal and yeah and you were you were and here you are playing in vixen and that's in some like you know headbangers eyes that doesn't wait a minute that's black and white that's too that doesn't very much so it works for me because i'm uh, and dave's shaking his head because of my pedigree is again like that it's all over the place well why would you leave this technical thrash metal band to sing you know pop metal or right you know why would you be in a hair yeah, band or you know it's like what do you well first off don't call it a hair band it's just rock and roll everything is rock and roll so yeah you know i'm i play rock and roll so sure stylistically sure. uh change but it just seems like a normal thing for people like us if you if you sing or play keys or yeah. play everything or whatever because you you play everything you sing too as a matter of yeah. fact as a matter of fact the first um i'll get back to where i was a second ago the first uh sort of meeting you and i had we we exchanged numbers or something you texted me a link to you singing dangerous toys scared at a club <laughs> in nashville <laughs> right and, oh. and, and you're even singing the high screechy you know ethel merman shit yeah that shit was hard <laughs> <laughs> and and you uh and you were you were nailing it oh, thanks. you were you were, go, you were just well you know a lot of people just puss out when they you know the best part about that one that i sent you is that was the very first show i do a show called rare hair and we'll talk about that yeah. more in detail yeah. later but that one was that was taylor swift's rhythm section behind me that's what you told so, me. her her drummer and her bass player <laughs> And wow. I was like, I, I want to get these guys to come in and play this. Like, so Amos, the bass player, knew who you, who Dangerous Toys was, but okay. Matt had no idea. So he was like, you know, he had to learn it, like learn it, learn it, and stuff like that. And he's like, man, I love that song. Like, yeah, I want, I went and listened to more, and and I really dig this band. So that's kind of one of the reasons I do it is because it just gives a lot of 
these guys that don't know a lot of this music a chance to open their um, vocabulary, you know, musically speaking. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Open their I, chakra. You know, because I remember the first time I heard Watchtower and it could, because of being a Dangerous Toys fan, I was like, okay, let me see what else this guy's doing. And it's just like, okay, this is a lot different <laughs> right. in a great right. way. And so I think going back to what you were saying is to me, um, one of my old bosses at one, uh, uh, at one of the clubs I worked at, he, his whole mantra was what's good is good. And Amen. so there's, there's something in every genre of music that I love. And there's something in every genre of music that I can't stand. Right. But tell, tell us um, a little bit. Of, I'm sorry to interrupt. Tell yeah, us a no. little bit about the run you do with Corey Taylor Slipknot fan. Uh, well, yeah. that was, that was a pretty short lived band that happened in around 2009, 2010. Um, I, I, that band Pomeroy I used to tour with, we played in, in Iowa city one night. And we got there early, which we never got anywhere early ever. But from once in our lives, we got to the club early. And so I was like, well, let's go inside and check out the place. And we walk in and there's this brutal metal band that was playing called Destrophy. And I was like, holy crap, this band is amazing. And so we watched the show as me and the guitar player, Matt. We just watched their whole show. Um, and at first we were like, shit, are we in the wrong place? Cause there's a band playing, but we found out that they had these matinee shows oh, yeah. for young well, people. Yeah, I remember and then those. they would turn the room over for the headliner shows later on or whatever. And so we watched these guys and got to know Ari, the singer and Ryan, the drummer. And I just remained friends with those guys for a long time. And eventually down the road, Ryan calls and said, Hey, I've got this new band. It's based out of Des Moines. It's weird. I think you'll dig it, but we need a keyboard player. Would you be interested? And I was like, eh, yeah, I guess, you know, whatever. And at the time, Corey Taylor was just playing guitar. He wasn't singing. He was just the guitar player. And he had a couple other guys in the group. One guy that they referred to as Monkey, not the same guy from Corn, but a different guy as the singer. And it was really weird. And the music was honestly not that great. It was kind of terrible. <laughs> and wow. so I remember driving home from that first rehearsal and calling the saxophone player because we had a saxophone player called Tommy. And I was like, I don't know, man, I don't, I, I know that Corey's in it and it's cool, but I'm just not really digging this stuff that much. And he talked me and he's like, stick it out, man. I think it's going to get better. We're just trying to figure out what we're doing. So I did. Huh. Okay. And then down the road, Ryan calls me back and says, Hey, we're going to scrap all of the stuff that we were working on and we're just going to concentrate on Corey's going to do a solo record. The record that just oh. came out in December was the record we were supposed to do 10 years ago. Wow. That never happened because of all kinds of politics and, and things going on in his life between Slipknot, Stone Sour, Roadrunner, books, books that he was writing, all kinds of stuff that he was yeah. involved in at the time and a different marriage. You know, it's just a lot going on. It was a different time period for him he had to and, reboot, reboot yeah and so at that point so we went out and we did a handful of shows um and played he sent me the other stuff the original stuff that we we're gonna do for this you know that he was he just he's got tons and tons of songs tons he's a very prolific writer um very talented writer actually as you all know i mean obviously yeah, of both of his bands are extremely successful yeah and um when he sent me that stuff, I was like, okay, I can get behind this stuff. This stuff is great. And it was, it was really fun music to play. The only song that made it 
on the new record that just came out from the time that we were playing is a song called Kansas. And it's a little bit different than what lyrically than what we played, but musically it's pretty much the same. So uh, it was cool to hear that and hear it kind of in its completion. And yeah, so we just, it was weird because we weren't heavy. We weren't a metal band. We, mm. we were way more Rolling Stones than Stone Sour or Slipknot. And so, and we opened our show with Let's Go Crazy by Prince and we were playing all these metal festivals and all these metal heads were just like, oh, they just didn't really know what to do with us. It was too, you know, they were expecting it to be what they expect from Corey and it was not that. But it wasn't ill-received. It was just a lot of kind of like, well, I'm not really sure how to take this yet. And I think it's just kind of on your first listen when you hear it and you're a big Slipknot fan, you're like, whoa, this is a this is a way over here <laughs> compared to what you're used to. And um, so now I think he's able to, he's finally kind of making ways with the CMFT band and, and, and the record finally came out and people are able to, and he's done a lot since then. I mean, he's done a of bunch of records. He's done a lot of guest recordings with all these different people. So, you know, he's, he's definitely circled around to where now putting out this material made sense. Right. And okay. I think stone sour is more of a back burner band at the moment uh, and Slipknot's getting ready to do more. Well, actually they're on the road right now, I think. Yeah, I think so, so. They were just in Canada like this week and stuff. So, are you in, still in touch with Corey or? <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately no. not. Okay. We, it's funny because we were on the, a, a cruise ship together in January, um, on Shiprock for five, six days or whatever it was, yeah. and I, I, I really wanted to reconnect with him. Mm -hmm. I miss the guy because I, I love that guy. Honestly, he's one of my. Like he's one of the only guys I've ever worked with that is as musically weird as I am in terms of like being this extremely deep well of knowledge with uh, deep cut stuff. Like we'd sit around singing ABBA songs and just the dumbest stuff, Laura Branigan and shit like that. And he knew all of it. You know, wow. uh, I remember one day we we're just messing around in rehearsal and we we're playing like 80s commercials, Big Red and Dr. Pepper, just dumb shit because it was so fun. And, and, and he was the only guy I knew that I could do that with. And I could just kind of not, I could play things and he would jump right on it. And he knew all the words without having to look it up. It was crazy. Wow. So um, I missed that. And I missed just this, that kind of that connection and friendship with him. Um, and something happened. And when all that kind of was ending mm -hmm. and I'm not quite honestly sure what it is, but I, I do know that for whatever reason, it just didn't end well, at least for him. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I don't know. It was weird because I, I asked it, uh, I asked a friend, uh, the, a mutual friend about it. And I, re I really haven't talked about this publicly too much because, um, I, I don't know. Well, I, don't, I didn't, I didn't want you to get, no, it's okay. No. But I, I just, I, I asked him, uh, I was like, Hey, you know what's going on with him and have you i don't know i i really hope to reconnect with him on the boat and when i didn't um there was just no opportunity you know i'd see him and there's this entourage of people or he's talking yeah. i'm just you know you always know when it's a good time to kind of jump in and like make a conversation happen and when it's not i mean if you're smart you kind of read the room and go no this isn't the time and there just that's, wasn't an opportunity like that to make that's that exactly conversation right happen. kids everyone needs yeah. to take lessons right there on that yeah. topic because yeah, right and you, so uh so i asked my buddy i was like uh, and he's like yeah i actually brought it up last week and 
he said it was a sore subject. And now I'm like, shit, now I really want to know what the hell happened or what do you think happened? Because mm. why is this a sore subject? Because it's not it, the only thing that's sore about it to me is that we're not friends anymore. And I don't know why. And that really Well, and it might be something me. it might be something and take this with the ultimate respect. It might be something that's on that's in your head. You know, you're letting it get in your head. Because I, I, you just, yeah, for sure. Because you just said nothing happened. I mean, no, obviously something happened. did. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. don't know what it is. That's all. Yeah, but you can't you can't let the universe just tell you that something terrible happened. And that's the reason why it didn't happen, because you know that nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't know. That's I think that's the worst part about it. It's it's like it's almost as it's kind of like when I don't know, in those scenarios, you almost wish they were just like, no, fuck you. You did this or you did that or, you you know, I, I mean, I'd rather you yell at me and tell me what I did and tell me so I could fix it or so I can at least I not that. make that mistake again, whatever yeah, that it's happened not to me. be. It's not me. It's you. It's yeah. more about just not knowing. It's not like, you. It's yeah, me. Just no. getting some just getting some closure. One way right. And that's all it is. It's just, yeah, I, I get that. So hopefully, well, may, you know, down maybe, the road that'll happen. Yeah. And I'm a pretty patient guy as far as that kind of stuff goes. Like even with the, if it's just, you know, making friends with people, like even with you, Jason's like, uh, uh, you know, I've been a fan for shit since I was in high school, listening to those records and stuff like that. And it was like, there was a time, there was a good time to come talk to you and which I did. And that's when I sent you those, te you know, those videos and stuff like that. Yeah. But and it's kind of like you were saying earlier, it's like you, you just kind of know, like I had been in the room with Billy Sheehan probably five times and never spoke to him because that wasn't the time. But there was one time where it was like, OK, now's the time to talk to him. And now we're good friends. But it it took that one moment to, like, just be patient about it. Sure. And then know eventually that's going to come around and it's going to work out and it's going to be fine. And it, Billy, and it usually Billy, is. Billy paid for my drinks at the rainbow one night. There you go. <laughs> I, they I, played on just, my last single, you know, like never amazing. in a million years would I, I would ever think that I'd were, have that guy in a song were, that I wrote, were you, you know, were you yeah. able to like, just call him and ask him to do yeah. that? Or, wow, yeah. That's amazing. That was that's it. Good. I just said, Hey, I got this song I'm working on. I'd love to have you on. And he goes, great. Yeah. Send it to me. I'll, I'll knock it out next week. Uh, and I was like, what do I owe you? And he's like, nothing. I was like, well, shit. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. That's beyond awesome because the guy is a living legend. So right. it's, it's completely sick. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, you, you're kind of answering some of the questions that I had uh, before I can ask them, which is great. I, you know, I kind of wanted to know what the personality of, of Corey Taylor was like and, and Billy Sheehan. Uh, we spent enough time on Corey, but so tell me a little bit about uh, Billy Sheehan as as a as a person. We all know him as an extraordinary bass player, of course. Sure. As Billy someone Bob, who's he, he paid for all my drinks at the Rainbow. Well, Club. yeah, yeah. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> I guess that kind of says it all, I right? I don't know the guy. I my Watchtower opened for Talus in nice. 1984. I, I, yeah, I saw I saw Talus open for Ingve Malmsteen at Sunken That was Garden. the show in Austin. Yeah. That was, yeah, that okay. was wow. Watchtower, yeah. Talis, Ingve, Malmsteen, Rising Force, 84. Oh, wow. What's he like That's as a, a personality? Uh, he, he, to me, he's a, he couldn't be a nicer guy. You know, um, I, I've, I've never worked with him on a regular basis. We're just friends. You know, we're just kind of hang out. So um, 
it was funny because there was one day in Nashville, I was trying to get him. I was like, let's go to lunch because that's kind of a, 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 I, I use lunches a, a lot to get to know people better. And Smart man you are. When I was there, when I was a new person in Nashville, I'd only been there for a few months and I'd started to get to know people. I would take somebody out to lunch every day during the week on a Monday through Friday, somebody different. And that way, and that gave me an opportunity to kind of get to know these people better on a personal level or whatever. And so I, um, I did that. I called up Billy. I was like, Hey, let's go grab lunch sometime or next week or whatever. He said, yeah, sure. Come on, let's do it. And so the day comes, I'm like, where am I meeting you? What do you want to meet at? And he's like, Oh, just come over to the house and then we'll figure it out. Well, I go over to the house and I'm starving, by the way, I hadn't eaten yet. And I ended up just sitting around playing his bases and looking at all this stuff and just talking and looking at his 9 billion uh, files in Dropbox of all the stuff that he's done. Yeah. And I didn't never, we never went to eat anything. We just were messing <laughs> around and having a good time. And I was like, Oh shit, I got to go. I got to go to work. So uh, I just kind of spent the whole day just hanging out and, and just getting to know him and having fun and, it was fun as playing on his bass with his rig and his whole thing. And I'm like, this sounds like you. I mean, I can't play like you, but it sounds like you. This is really yeah. cool. Right. Right. Did he give <laughs> so, you any, did he tell you any great David Lee Roth stories? Um, not that day. I, you know, they did talk. I, there was one time when we did this thing in Nashville. It was, it was fun to hang with Greg Bissonette and Billy at the same day. And, uh, and they, they, you know, they were kind of telling the whole rainbow story about how they were so close with the, that reunited lineup and everything. And when the cops shut it down, I mean, they, the story was exactly like you read about it on Blabbermouth and everything else. But it was just cool to hear it firsthand from the two guys that were there yeah. that were supposed to do it. Wow. And um, I mean, the, the guy that has the best David Lee Ross stories actually is Ray Luzier, that wow. dude, because he he does the voice and he does the imitations so well. And they're really, really funny. <laughs> so if you ever get a chance to get Ray on your show, just have him start telling David Lee Roth stories. They're amazing. Nice. I, you know, I think you may be the only guy we've had on the show that, that uh, got started in country music and, and didn't just, I mean, got started in a big way. I, I mean, I want to go back to uh, Tracy Lawrence for a bit Sure. Um, I don't know. I couldn't name a single song, but I do know that he's a huge. Neither did I <laughs> when I joined this band. I was like, but I mean, he's an scary. arena headliner, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, dude was playing stadiums in the 90s. Yeah, you know? He was yeah. like one of those guys. You know, he was huge. And so were you with him at that point in his career? Oh, hell no. I was way after that. You know, this is 2015. This is like back to playing clubs and casinos and now he's getting ready to go out with brad paisley this summer so that's pretty exciting for him i'm yeah. pretty, i was stoked for him but um yeah that i mean i wouldn't say i got my i guess i got my start in nashville in country you know because my first start my first big gig was the Corey gig honestly and then i didn't really have anything after that i went back to just playing piano bars for a while until i moved to nashville and even then, so I, and then I moved to Nashville, got the, the country gig. And that is a, just a different animal. And musically speaking, especially that 90s stuff, it's like it's so honky tonk and there's so much movement, especially with the left hand. And it's I remember listening to the live board tapes. And that's how I was learning the show. And I'm like, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to play like this guy. He's really good. It's almost like 
giving you a, uh, you're a metal guitar player and all of a sudden going here. Now here's a jazz chart, read it. And you're just like, wait, I don't know how to play these chords. It's real similar that way, because if you didn't grow up playing that kind of honky tonk, uh, stride piano style, it is really challenging to learn that on the spot. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I had to do. I just had to lock myself in a, my apartment every day for hours and just kind of run through these songs and try to figure it out as best as I could. And eventually I learned uh, the hard way that it just, that wasn't my wheelhouse. It was. <laughs> and so I lasted in that for about a month and I had one night where things didn't go so well. I just completely forgot how to start a song, uh, which I started and I just sitting there playing the F note and just going, I'm looking at my page. I had a, sh a sheet in front of me and I, I just, it was like slash forgetting how to play sweet child of mine. It was that kind of a big song for him. And I'm just like, oh, I don't remember how to play this intro line at all. Cause wow. he has two ballads and they sound really, really similar, especially the intros. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't find it. I'm looking at the guitar player. I'm like, I just play something so I can figure out where the hell I am. Mm -hmm. And finally, after all this awkward <laughs> silence he finally started playing something i was like okay okay i know where i'm at but by the time i came in i was in a different spot and it just train wrecked and it was bad oh, and no. i knew that instant i was like i'm not gonna have this gig anymore and sure enough when we pulled back in in sunday night um the the music director pulled me aside and he's like well boss ain't happy and i was just like yeah i know and and that's fine i appreciate the opportunity and i learned a lot just in this month about the business and country music and just everything. Thank you. And, and, and I even got, went home the next week and wrote a thank you letter to Tracy and sent it to him. And, you know, and, uh, that was it. That, <laughs> that, 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 that's good business. The, uh, that you, I, I like that you turn that negative into something or you kept the door open. Let's just put it that way. You didn't storm out. You didn't throw a fit. You recognized, you know, I screwed up and then you still had enough class to send him a thank you note. And, uh, that's just, that's just good people right there. That's just how, oh, you know, that that's, that's a classy move. Good for yeah, you. I had that terrible night. It was a Friday and the next night, Saturday, I had a great night. It was the first time I'd like really felt good about <laughs> the gig. And then I was like, well, I'm still probably gonna lose this gig. And sure enough, I did. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're but it's funny because we had this jam every month in Nashville where all the session guys and studio or the, the touring guys would get together and play all this weird, obscure music. Right. And I remember we had one coming up and I was really nervous about walking into that room with all my peers, you know, and all these guys that I look up to, like the guys I was telling you about, like Taylor Swift guys and, you know, all these people that play for huge, huge art artists and whatever only and i knew they were all going to be like how's the gig and i'm gonna be like i lost the gig already <laughs> you know i only had it for a month and i already lost it you know because i mean shit i'd only been there three months and i got this huge opportunity which is kind of unheard of to begin with and right. sure enough i walk in and the first guy i run into was a guy named Luis who plays at the time with this guy named trace atkins the honky tonk badunkadunk guy mm -hmm. and i and his first sure enough he goes How's the gig, man? And I was like, uh, I don't have the gig anymore. <laughs> and I was super bummed. And he's like, all right, well, that's okay. Just, I want you to stop and look around this room right now. And, you know, and then and there's all the guys that I, I it, it was like every single one of these people, including me, have been fired from a, a gig. 
and you just got it done early. <laughs> you got it out of the way early. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be, you know, don't let it get to you. Whatever. He's like, look at Matt. He went from lady Annabellum. He got fired from there. And now he's playing for Taylor Swift, the best, you know, the biggest artist in the world. I was like, yeah, well, you got a point. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, so everybody made me feel really comfortable and about it. And, and so I didn't feel as though I'd failed so much. And it was more of like, at that point, it was like looking forward find something that's going to fit. And then I got the Vixen call about a year later. Yeah. And I've been there ever since and I'm still there. <laughs> good, good, yeah. good for you. Um, I got to pick your brain about faster pussycat because I'm a yeah. huge, huge, huge faster pussycat fan. Me too. Uh, tell me how that gig came about and uh, what's it like working with Tammy and how often do you do that? Yeah. Um, I, well, just playing with them is, I just do that when I'm in the same room. <laughs> so yeah. if they come to Kansas city, they're like, grab a keyboard and come play. I'm like, okay, cool. Or when they were in Nashville, same thing. Um, and on the cruises, I do that on the cruises, yeah. but I don't play with them on a regular basis at all. Right, right. It's just literally just like a, you know, if I'm opening for them in some capacity or if we're gigging together in some way, or if we're on the cruises, same thing with the Nefs and up, same deal. Um, they're just friends. An open, an open door. Yeah. They're just friends. And they always go, man, if you're around, just come play. Cause there are parts on their songs that don't exist when I'm not there or they don't have a keyboard player in their band, but right. they're on the records. And um, so I'm like, I'd love to, you know, I always just let people know, if you've got stuff and I'm there, I'll, I'm happy to play. I don't care about money on that stuff. I don't get paid for it. I just do it because I love it. And because like you, I'm a fan as well. So um, working with Tammy's great. I mean, he's, he, I don't know. We get along great. And I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a trip, but I, yeah. I love him. And, he's a fun and the whole guy. band are just great people. Yeah. Um, obviously they've gone through some lineup changes recently, but all those guys, even the new guys, I love, they're super good people. And, um, and it's fun to just play the, I mean, I, dude, I bought Faster Pussycat's first album and Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction at the same time. And I'd never heard either of them. I just bought them because I thought their album covers looked cool. Yeah. Back when you could do that. Yeah. And, um, well, that and I was remember a good I day. didn't like the that Guns N' Roses record. I wore that Faster you. Pussycat album. What's that? That was a good day for you picking yeah, up those. Totally. Yeah, I kind of had the similar experience. Uh, both those records, uh, I, I got both of them right around the same time. And um, Appetite, of course, everybody was listening to it. So Faster was kind of the underdog on in a sense. And honestly, you know, because of the, you know, through no fault of their own, but the burnout factor with Appetite has kind of pushed it to the back. And I've probably listened to that yeah. Foster record way more times than, than, the, than the Appetite record. And I love the Appetite, but you yeah. don't hear Faster Pussycat on the radio all day, sure. every day. And at this point, though, with GNR, I can only really take the second side of it, like side B, so to speak, you know, yeah. basically from my Michelle on. Yeah. And I skip Sweet Child of Mine every time. Because <laughs> you've heard it so many I've times. played that goddamn song probably more than they have at this point when, in my life. When you get called up uh, to, to jam with Faster Pussycat, what songs are you playing? Uh, usually Poison Ivy if it's in the sets. They don't always put that one in the set. I always do House of Pain, though. Mm -hmm. And um, and then there's a song called Friends off yeah. of the third album that I'll do once with yeah. them once in a while. Um, let's see. What else have we done? 
cat house don't you play cat house yeah cat house that, this is the first time i did cat house though was on the this cruise because mm-hmm. i was like I was, dude i was standing on the side of the stage yeah we were playing that and you saw i remember me. going to them I, I went to tammy i was like how come you never helped me play a cat house there's piano all over that song he's yeah. like hey just yeah. play it fuck it i was like okay cool <laughs> so am i right on the on the studio version of is that nikki hopkins playing the piano on Actually, that song? i don't know i've never looked that up to be honest <laughs> i want to say it's nikki hopkins because i remember being impressed that they were able to pull down a guy like that especially on their first record when they were basically sort of you know unknown or whatever I would have to see who produced that record because I don't actually. I would have to go back Rick and Brody. see. Rick Brody. Okay. It. Wow. Yeah. Um. So, so you were out on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Did did they? Does Faster Pussycat call you because they want you to be part of the band for the cruise? Or are you out with somebody else on the cruise and just happen to show up and guest with them? This is where we talk about rare hair and your other involvement with monsters. Yeah. Um. Well, in this case, you know, Vixen was supposed to play, but we weren't able to. But I was already scheduled to do a bunch of other things anyway, which was Rare Hair was one of them. Um, and then I had a dueling piano thing that we tried for the first time this year with a guy named Will Dowdy who plays keyboards for Poison. Because um, on my when I'm not out with Vixen, I'm doing one of two things. I'm either playing in corporate band, corporate and wedding kind of bands, or yeah. I'm doing dueling pianos somewhere in the United States. So like next weekend, I'll be in Lincoln, Nebraska, playing with a bunch of people I've never met, um, just doing the dueling piano thing. And that's where I got my start at Howl at the Moon. Uh, when, when the Corey Taylor gig ended, I needed something to do. And so the doing, I worked at a place called Howl at the Moon here in Kansas City, uh, five nights a week, you know, steady five nights a week, um, salary pay. I mean, it's a great gig to have if you're a musician or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's where basically you have two pianos across from each other. I play a song, they play a song, I play a song. And it's all based on requests. People bring up the songs that they want and you just play them. And um, so that's how I learned. It definitely helped me, you know, learn a lot more material. Mm-hmm. But um, so we tried that for the first time on the boat this year and it went over really, really well because it was kind of chill. It was something that people could do between bands that wasn't like, super loud or crazy and kind of you know is and it's very interactive and uh it went really really well to the point where we're actually doing it again here in a couple of weeks on the cruise to the edge uh nice. but um also yeah on, to answer your question though it was it's usually just like chad goes hey you're on the boat this year yeah you want to play this 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 yes okay cool that's it wow. <laughs> you know nice um, awesome. Tell us about tell us about the rare hair. Pretend yeah, what we don't that? know anything about it. What the hell is rare hair? Tell me. Um, <laughs> so, the, I was telling you about that jam that we did in Nashville, where I kind of went and had my tail between my legs or whatever. Um, that was a monthly thing where my friend Tom Hurst put on that. He just picked this really weird. It's like Tom Hurst's personal Spotify on shuffle. Um, and it's essentially a different lineup of people, each song. And there was about 25, 30 songs or whatever. And so when I was out with Tracy, uh, I remember thinking I, I was going to do this band called rare hair where a band that played deep cut eighties metal stuff. Um, but I came to the realization that that might not be very popular or not go over very well in a bar. Right. Cause like, 
you really have to hone in on the people that sat in front of their TV watching Headbangers Ball every week. And to reach that audience could be challenging as a new band or whatever. So when I talk, I brought it up to Thomas said, what do you think about doing if I did this rare hair thing as a jam, like kind of what you guys are doing? He said, yeah, I think that'd be good. You should try it. So we did. We tried their very first one in Nashville. Um, and I probably only had about 50 people at the most, 30 to 50 people on that show um, because I didn't know anybody. I'd only been there about six months at that point. And it was so uncomfortably packed full of people that we were like, shit, we better move this into a bigger place next time. So this is actually how it leads to how I got to know Faster Pussycat is this uh, second show we did, Faster Pussycat was looking for a date on the same day we had our show. And the promoter called me. He's like, what do you think about, you know, me bringing Faster Pussycat to this venue on this day? And I was like, no, don't, don't do it that day. It'll kill my show because I'm doing my show that day. And it's the only, you know, the only second time we've done it. Yeah. I said, let's team up instead. Let's try this. What if Faster Pussycat comes and plays on my show? They play first so they can, because it's a Monday, so they're not going to care. They play first and they can hang out and party with us. Afterwards, we'll do the jam after and they can play with us if they want, if anybody wants to play. And um, and that's what happened. And it, it was probably about, we had a good 350, 350 through the door that night. And we had a blast. And, um, and so what it is, is essentially I take, all the guys that tour with all the big acts and then all the rock guys that live in town, your Paul Taylor's and your Billy Sheehan. And, and uh, I mean, God, the list of people that have played on it, that, that live there is kind of is ridiculous. It's super fun. And then all the guys that play down on Broadway playing cover songs for a living and we throw them all in a room together and just played a bunch of deep cut hair metal stuff. And it's wow. super fun. And, and we've, I mean, yeah, we, the first show we did scared, um, and, and like, we've I always think about like, <clears throat> it's essentially all the bands that you'd see on a monsters of rock cruise or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so when we finally, st- when I started doing the monsters cruise, um, I brought it to Larry. I was like, what if we did this show on here? Cause that's, this is the audience for this stuff. Yeah. Like I can play hurricane or I can play, you know, the malls or these weird bands that most people are like, what, who, and I can play that on this boat and they're going to know what it is. And they're going to sing along. They're actually going to know, like I can just pull the weirdest band, smash Gladys and shit like that. Uh, yeah. Cause I was a nerd back then with that stuff. And I just, I went pretty deep. So, um, hey, so yeah, it, I don't know. It, it went really well. Oh, here's my boy. He just got home. I haven't seen him all week. <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? How are you? <laughs> he can't hear you, though. <laughs> gave us a Gene Simmons. Uh... Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be with you in a bit, okay? Okay. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Also, uh, you know, Tyson, it sounds like a lot of fucking work. Uh, it is. I mean, it's a lot of, uh, you know, spreadsheets and text messages and phone calls yeah. and just just it's just cat wrangling as soon as you said spreadsheet i wanted to throw up yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i thought you got into rock and roll to get away from spreadsheet right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah um, but we call yeah. these the rock and roll spreadsheets because you know you just got your artist 
song title, singer, guitar player, guitar player I, too. I don't know. Bass, I don't know if that would. I don't know if that would make me feel any better. <laughs> rock and a roll. Spreadsheet is a spreadsheet, right? <laughs> right. Um, you you mentioned a lot of, of of cruises, and a lot of them uh, people are familiar with, but. I thought I saw uh, in your bio somewhere, did I see a, a Rob Gronkowski crew? <laughs> you did. What the heck is that? It was absolutely stupid is what it was. <laughs> I don't know the guy. I don't even know who that is. So in I didn't know who it was either. So I Rob do. Gronkowski is, um, uh, is one of the New England Patriot football players. Like, And he's extremely famous. He's a Hall of Not famous. only for being a football player, but for just being be. a party guy. Okay. Yeah. Right? He's, he's like one of the all-time great tight ends in NFL history. He's destined for the yeah. Hall of Fame. He's been on the receiving end of Tom Brady touchdown passes just countless right. times. Right. And so much so, he actually followed Tom to Tampa Bay, I think. But I knew the name because I, I watched a little bit of football. And when I saw that he had a cruise named after him, I'm thinking, who is right. the audience for this cruise? And what is your role in this? Well, the answer to that question is it looks like uh, – so. I was playing, I I'd moved to Nashville and I was actually, I, I went to that jam that I was talking about. The, yeah. It was called loud jams is what it's called. And I, and I, I was watching this kind of squirrely looking guy. Um, amazing singer that got up and sang this kick-ass song. I, I, I just remember, I was like, who's this guy that looks like John Belushi that's up there singing Big Wreck like a motherfucker? <laughs> and he was so good. And so I went and talked to him, and he was like, his name's Matt Farley. He's one of the sweetest, most talented guys that I know, and great, writes great music, and I ended up playing in his solo band for a while. But I met him, and I was like, um, that was awesome. Like, I, And he's like, you kind of look like a rocker guy. Are you in a uh, hard rock and rock music and stuff? Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> you know? yeah. He's like, you got to go to this thing at, at, on Tuesday nights. It's called the uh, the D Rock and Roll Residency. And I, I didn't know what that. it was. I've heard yeah. of it. Yeah. It's a band. They played the cruise. They probably yeah. made it play the same one yeah. you did. And it's basically Ace Freely slash Gene Simmons band now. That's but back right. then, they That's weren't right. that yet. They were just these guys that played classic rock better than anybody else you've ever heard. Like, they were just, they'd play all this. And they didn't play a lot of hits. They play a lot of cool stuff, you know, and, and they would go deep and play uh, you know, a cowboy song by Thin Lizzy. They just do cool stuff. Yeah. And, um, and Jeremy, the guitar player, was in another band. Uh, there was more arena rock stuff called the big rock show. And that was him and this guy, Ryan cook, who uh, also plays with Ace freely. And so those two guys play with ACE now, but then they were doing, that was their main gig. Right. And he was like, you got to meet Ryan because our keyboard player, Paul Taylor from winger is um, out with uh, Tom Kiefer all the time. So we need a sub all the time for these cruises and a bunch of other things that we do. I was like, okay. So I went and met Ryan and he um, invited me to come rehearse with them because they had a show at a place called 12th and Porter there in Nashville. And he's like, if you play that and everything goes good, we've got this cruise coming up. It's the, and, um, and it's the Rob Gronkowski cruise. And I was just like, okay, cool. I have no idea who that is, but that sounds fun. <laughs> he's like, well, we do these cruises all the time. We do the Kid Rock cruise every year and the kiss cruise every year and you know i think you'll dig it and whatever and it's all and then i started rattling off the songs i was like well i could play those songs right now 
Like I, I played all of those songs a million times. Here I go again. And fuck, you know, um, uh, but they don't, they don't play like living on a prayer. They play runaway. They don't play sweet child of mine. They play, you know, they do the kind of alternate hits for those bands, which is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of Rocky, like a hurricane, they're doing blackout, which is like, you know, it's fun. They don't and, do walk, they don't do walk this way. Right. Right. They don't do all the, the obvious stuff, the yeah, overplayed they do, stuff. They do the way to yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, so the first cruise we did was the, that I with me was the Gronkowski cruise, and we did. It was like Jersey Shore just threw up everywhere on that oh. boat. It was <laughs> hilarious, and we had no business being there whatsoever. Um, we it was rap artists and DJs and us. We were the only rock band there, and nobody cared about us. We were playing the theater to like twelve people. There nobody was there. It was so weird. Wow. And they kept apologizing. It's usually not like this. I'm like, I don't, hey, I'm on a free cruise vacation with my girlfriend. We're, we're having a blast. So whatever. We don't care. We're having a great time. Right. And um, and that eventually did lead to, you know, they're like uh, Kid Rock Cruise. Uh, I did two of those with them and two Kiss Cruises with them. And then some uh, other Nashville-based events and stuff. And now that they're doing the Ace thing, they really kind of don't have time for that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So the so the Gronkowski thing was not a sports themed kind of audience or cruise. His name was just plastered on the on the boat. Correct. And it yeah. turned into this Yeah. Ring. I mean, there were a couple things that were um just for the, the audience members that were kind of sports-ish themed, but they yeah. were it was more just an entertainment thing. And and the other thing was a mixed cruise. So um if a mixed cruise is where they rent half of the cabins to the people for the themed thing uh -huh. for the Gronk thing. And the rest of them are just people going on a cruise. <laughs> so it was even weirder because of that. Yeah. I've done a, I've done a ship rocked like that <clears throat> with my band broken teeth and man, the stories I walked away, it's like, you know, <laughs> I want, I hope you get broken teeth back on ship rocked again. I'm, I'm, I am now the resident keyboard player for the stowaways on ship rocked. Oh, that's cool. So I, uh, I've done that three years in a row now. Wow. <laughs> No, the story goes like this. It's like uh, we were the first band on the first day, and it's sound check, right? And it's like 5 o'clock. You know? Right. Sun is shining, and there's a lot of blue-haired ladies with their poodles out on right. the deck right in front of me. <laughs> and I'm, <clears throat> I'm cursing up a storm, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm like being obscene into the mic trying to get the, you know, <laughs> these right. effing monitors are not loud enough. Can you, you know? Not in just I'm that's every day, you know. I'm just being normal and and I was gonna say looking around, you know, was not I wasn't worried about it. You know, I'm on a rock cruise. This is cool. These right. are my people, and I'm going, right. Oh, look, cute. Someone brought their parents and their grandparents, and right. they that, they're used to it because they're here with their kids who are probably in, I don't know, right. uh 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 corn. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm the low man on the totem pole. It's a broken teeth. You know, it's one of my side things, you know, so it's yeah. kind of like, so <clears throat> uh, next thing I heard was, uh, you know, ship rock people come to me and, and, and all of a sudden <laughs> there's no, you know, no cursing allowed taped to the monitor line. That's and hilarious. it's my fault. Right. <laughs> uh, because, because somebody went to grandpa went to the, the captain. Yeah, yeah. sure. And that's you, how I learned what a mixed cruise was. Yeah, that's hilarious. You, now you offended, I know. You offended yeah. the church crowd. I did my job. 
<laughs> so Tyson, you've obviously uh, had a, uh, like Jason said at the top of the show, uh, many and varied uh, experiences in the music business. How did you get started when you were a kid? Uh, what got you hooked on rock and roll and, and how did you gravitate towards keys? Um, well, I, like I, I was telling the, the other day with this gig, I, my first four records were the Sesame street sings album, uh, nice. or the first three, uh, the Sa star Wars soundtrack and kisses love gun. Right. Oh, oh, you rule. Uh, <laughs> and I, 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 I specifically remember being in, it was a Kmart and I was with my grandma and my, she bought those three things for me. Wow. And she's, I remember her looking at the kiss record and like, are you sure you want this? And I was like, yeah. I, again, I had no idea what they sounded like. I just well, thought, this looks amazing. On, I have to on, have on this. That, on that yeah. album cover, there are scantily clad women at the Yes, feet. there are. <laughs> so Which not, explains a lot today. It's yeah. not like <laughs> Rock and Roll Over. It's not like the first album. It's not yeah. like Rest to Kill. It's not like all of the earlier records. Right. It's the yeah. first record that's got scantily clad women all over the place. Yeah, and, so, it, it, and I loved it. And I wore it out. And Christine and, 16, which you just can't yeah. indeed can't do. And then... um. And then as I got older, you know, I, I started taking piano lessons when I was in probably first grade or so. And um, like you were talking about imposing with the guitar, I actually got that guitar because I won uh, a, a talent a contest check. playing like Mozart and stuff. You got a you check. Know? Yeah. And I got a check, $100 check. And I went and bought that guitar for that. Um, but, you know, at that point, it was kind of like I discovered you know, I it was Quiet Riot and Van Halen and Motley Crue and all that kind of stuff. And so all of a sudden, I was like, I don't want to, piano's not cool. <laughs> I want to play guitar. Well, so it, I got that is, guitar and just kind of taught cool, myself though. how to do it. But, yeah. and I played guitar in bands up until high school. And then as high school came to an end, um, one of my favorite local bands in town needed a keyboard player. I was like, okay, well, and I didn't own a keyboard yet, so, but I wanted to be in that band really bad. And so I just went to the store and rented a keyboard every single week. <laughs> and it was this heavy, it was, oh, it was terrible. And, and it didn't sound great. It's an old Ensonic TS-12. And I would rent that to go to rehearse with them and then, and to do gigs. And finally, my dad bought me a keyboard from Christmas and it's, sitting right over there actually um and <laughs> wow yeah and, and and so that kind of put me back in keyboard world for a while um and then i discovered dream theater and you know from the images and words record that made me realize wait keyboards can be cool again like you know like all the stuff that kevin moore was doing i'd never heard anybody do stuff like that really before that it was all just Van Halen -y keyboards or stuff like that, <clears throat> but right. it wasn't like, oh, you can do leads and do cool shit. And I just that wasn't even I didn't know that was a thing. So I and then question. way later in life, I discovered stuff like Chick Corea, Electric Band and oh, all these yeah, guys, know. you know, I was going to say, what about Jens Johansson? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you, I, I didn't know any of that stuff. Match, that matching Ingve solos on keyboard. Yeah. Was See, I, I, it, for some reason, for whatever, I I never gravitated toward Ingve. It was too, it, it just bored the shit out of me. And as amazing as okay. it was, it was maybe a little well, too neoclassical. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on, on steroids. Kind but of I thing. love noty stuff. Like, obviously, yeah, I, I, I love Dream Theater and whatever yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, I, 
I never connected to the Ingve stuff too much. I don't, I don't really know That's why. Okay. <laughs> so we've had, we've, you know, on this show, we've had loads of uh, drummers, bass players, guitar, you know, the traditional hard rock, heavy metal instruments and, and not a lot of, uh, not a lot of keyboard players. Uh, so who were your, who were your inspirations growing up when, once you kind of got hooked on keys? Um, I mean, growing up wise, <clears throat> if I'm being honest, like Mozart and stuff like that, but then Billy Joel, uh, I was a big fan of him for a long, long time. Um, Prince still Prince, uh, in a big way. Uh, it's, I mean, he, and, and songwriting and stuff like that prints as well but then i like i said kevin moore uh from dream theater changed the game for me in terms of what you could do with keyboards yeah yeah and um so i would say those are probably the big three for me um as far as influences and or um and then i as i got older i would uh, you know, I'd loved like I went backwards with jazz and I can't play jazz with crap, but I love listening to, you know, Thelonious Monk or even Harry Connick Jr. Um, or um, Oscar Peterson, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but like uh, as far as like the rock guys and stuff too, uh, one thing I realized later in life, learning the material what a great keyboard player Eddie Van Halen is, is even though he's well regarded as being one of the great guitar players, that's mm -hmm. obvious, but as a keyboard player, even just like in January, when I had to learn right now, uh, I was doing right now with Jason hook and, and some other guys. And I was like, wait, this song is weird. And it starts on the end of one and it's just, it's syncopated. And it's like, I really have to con like, I faked my way through that song for years, but when I had to sit down and learn it the right way, I was like, this is, a really clever song yeah. and then um another guy i feel is extremely underrated as a piano player is freddie mercury mm -hmm. um i had to learn all the entire album of a night at the opera wow and for this band uh, called the black jacket symphony out of birmingham alabama and their whole shtick is they pick a classic album and they play it from note for note from top to bottom, take a break and come back and do the greatest hits of whatever that band is. And that wow. I was filling in for a guy for the, the queen show. And I was like, damn, these songs are like amazing. And they're hard. <laughs> like Freddie was yeah. doing some seriously gnarly stuff yeah. that is not, it's not easy. I mean, playing queen music, in general isn't easy but sitting there and trying to knock out the piano parts with a floating click in your ear and what yeah. i mean by that is they beat mapped the click to the record so it's not because there was no click on that record but no. they used some some they had some backing tracks in the show mm -hmm. and so you had to really be on that click yeah, and so right it'd be like it. it'd be like click 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 Click, click, yep. click, click, click. I mean, it would slow down. You're just like, you really had to pay attention. to click to the actual record. Wow. That's, oh, man. That's it, amazing. It was, it was stressful. <laughs> so death, I bet. Death on Two Legs. Yes. Uh, the obvious Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, yes. Uh, but prophet love. Song, prophet Song. Prophet Song. Uh, uh, yeah. It just keeps going with. The Love of My Life is like, yeah. ooh, that is a straight up classical song. Like if yeah. you play that song the way it is on the record, there are parts in that song that are just very classical. And wow. I was like, man, it really made me appreciate Freddie for a piano player. 
I feel yeah. like if I may throw <clears throat> throw this into the air, because uh, I'm a huge Queen fan. I grew up on Elton and Queen. Yeah. Uh, before Kiss, before anything like, well, Queen heavy is metal. heavy as shit. Queen, yeah. Queen is was metal and, and yeah. jazz and pop and opera. Sure. And Queen was everything, but. I always gravitated to, you know, the songs I just mentioned, Prophet Song, which is total metal. They drop D to guitars, everything. It's yeah. And it's seventy three or not, you know, it's nineteen seventy. I'm and all I'm a, those weird delays and vocals dude, and stuff. Crazy. So metal. So freaking metal. Um <laughs> yeah. but I you don't want to hear me play keys, even though Elton is my number one and Queen is just nice. a tie. Uh I was gonna say Sometimes I think some of the biggest Queen fans that don't play, you know, they don't they don't play an instrument. They right. they just love this. Oh, I love Queen. Right. I love Queen. They forget sure. Freddie plays piano. They forget yeah. it. They oh, he's the singer. I do too, kind of. I mean, everybody does. That's the thing. Yeah. It's same way. Same thing with Eddie. Like, he's a guitar player. Yeah, right. but he's an awesome keyboard player too. Yeah, I think when when you have a band that talented, where everybody in the in the band is a maestro of sorts, uh, you you tend to forget that um, one of the guys has a secondary instrument. It's like it's like Rush, you know. Nobody thinks of Geddy Lee as a keyboard player. You know what I mean? For because sure. you're you're so fixated on the talent that's going on between the bass and the drums and the guitar and the vocals. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, so, who's somebody's playing those keyboards, right. and, and they're great. <laughs> oh, yeah, Getty well, Lee. Well, in Getty's sure. case, he's playing those with his feet because yeah, of the bass yeah, and exactly. vocals going on yeah. at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it's crazy. human. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a more, I'm a much more casual Queen fan than Jason is, but the, this is – I'm a perfect example of what you just said. I I'd rarely – think of, of of Freddie as a piano player. Right. And so, you know, the obvious song, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, I – I know that's him, but I don't right. think of him as a piano player. Yeah, and, you know he's great, but he's so good at everything else that he does. You forget about that. You for know? sure. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's us. That's us as the listener, just taking it for granted that yeah. we think we have all the pieces put together, and we, and we don't. That's how <laughs> right. transcendent music can be. Is you're just like you forget where you are, and you're you're just. Uh, insanely mesmerized by what's happening in the song. You're like, oh shit, oh yeah, oh right. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm ne I've never really focused much on piano players or, or keyboard players, but one guy that's always stood out to me uh, is Billy Powell from Leonard Skinner. Sure, and yeah, because he, he plays that barroom honky tonk ragtime. Very piano. much so. Yeah. And uh, and man, he smokes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because I grew up on Leonard Skinner, but um, uh, you know, I'm not that I'm off, often asked who's my favorite piano player. But if I have to pick somebody, that guy comes to mind because I think he's just amazing. Back right. to Freddie, real quick. Those those ragtime songs like uh, Seaside Rendezvous. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, he's just it's on fire. The piano is yeah. like burning up. It's, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's the arrangement and the chord changes and choices that he makes are incredible. And they're just like, as I'm learning them, I'm like, what? How did you? Why did you? How did you even think of that? Like, and then how did you think of a vocal line to go on top of this? Like, what? It's so interesting and yeah, amazing. From another, from another planet, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
<laughs> and then Elton and uh, Elton has said in interviews and stuff that he doesn't even really think he's that good of a piano player. But sure. But I don't. He, I don't think you know Elton. He's not as showy as like you know Billy Joel has songs that are very showy where he's like yeah. you know just doing all kinds of notes and stuff like that. Elton's always just been uh, songwriter, a song great songwriter, writer. yeah, and 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 a great uh, singer uh, yeah. and. You know, uh, so there's that. It's just, it's just different. And I don't this think is my, this is where it's I perfect plug, for what he does. This is a shameless yeah. plug. I, I, uh, I front an Elton tribute band. Did I tell you that? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. I play guitar, just rhythm guitar. And I sing cause I'm just a, a nerd for Elton. Nice. Uh, yeah. And it's like a six piece band, you know, two, sure. two keyboards and nice. one of the keyboard players plays percussion and stuff. <laughs> cause there's all kinds of vibra slaps and, yeah wizardry going on and and i have a lead <laughs> guitar player and a bass player who sings all the harmonies with me and cool. it's so fun we call it captain fantastic i know there's ah, a thousand perfect. bands called that but anyway that's that's a lot of fun um elton um may, maybe you have a comment uh on this little tidbit um elton i feel like got a lot of his sort of um song crafting sort of like uh color from Leon Russell, character. Right. Sure. You you can you can tell that you know that for a fact. Um, I, it makes sense. I never thought of it that totally way until you mentioned sense. it just now. Yeah. But yeah. there's, I mean, I could totally see that for sure. Oh, oh, Elton's yeah. gone on record as saying that. Yeah. And Elton then later, moved. later before Leon's passing, he got to make a record with Leon. That's right. not, not right. as, as far as I know, it's not very uh, popular in sales. Sure. But he, they made a full-length record today where they sing together. They wrote the record together, I think. Wow, I don't think I knew that. All Stevie right. Nicks may have even done some backing vocals on it or something like that. Yeah, I remember reading a lot of press about that record when it came oh, out wow. because Elton John was so honored to be a part of it, just like you said, Jason. And I had no idea. Uh, but, yeah, he's a huge Leon Russell fan. Yeah. And I, I remember when Leon passed, uh, Elton was again in the press and very emotional about it. I mean, he really, really looked up to him as a as a player and a person. And I know that he uh, considered that album to be a huge honor. Well, Leon, Leon was also one of those guys out in Los Angeles, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that all of the old like 60s and 70s, early 70s records that you would hear where it would just be an artist name on the cover and you, you don't read, you have to read fine print. They're not in the band, but they <clears throat> they structured all the songs with whoever the artist brought in and they're the, they're the studio session guy on that record. And there's like 200 records that Leon Russell did where he's almost unnamed or unthanked and was just paid a fee. He just shows up with a carton of cigarettes and plays piano <laughs> all day on yeah, people's records. Nice. He was one of those guys. Yeah. Like I was late to the party on Billy Preston and oh. I kind of discovered him, Yeah, you know, way later in life and just to, and, and then had to go back and dig on like all the stuff he did with the Beatles, like the things I didn't realize that he did with them. And then of course, the things that he did on his own as well. And, and just like, he's yeah. another one of those kind of guys that influenced tons of other players yes. like that. Going back to Jason's point on Leon Russell, um, I, I believe Leon was on uh, a couple of Joe Cocker records and did the... Uh, yeah, because he did... Uh, 
mad, what is it? Mad dogs and Englishmen or, uh, and there, there was a tour that was a massive tour, uh, at the time. And Leon was part of that touring band, but it's exactly what you were saying, Jason. He was kind of this session guy that was very sought after and kind of took a backseat to whoever the marquee name was, but sure. He was on some major stuff. Right, I was way late to the party on him too. Like for a long time, people would bring up stuff by him to the piano bar. And I'm like, I didn't have a clue. Wow. And I still honestly don't know a lot of his material. Um, I just kind of know some of the most super obvious ones. But yeah, same here. But a lot of people have covered Leon Russell's song. Willie Nelson um, is known to do one or two. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're still in his set, but he, he recorded right. them and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was an Elton uh they toured that record they made together the I I oh, can't cool. remember the name of the record Elton and Leon did they actually <laughs> toured that record. It was short lived but Yeah. Yeah. So um what's next for you uh Tyson? Where where I mean Vixen sounds like a pretty steady gig uh whenever the girls call and decide to do a tour but uh what else yeah. is, is, is I mean I wish we were busier I, we don't play very much um right now like we did two shows last month and then we're off until the end of uh May but the end of May becomes it's I I kind of call it my hell week so I'm doing cruise to the edge at the beginning of may from the second until the seventh and then i'm just kind of playing around town and uh the rest of the month and then my son actually grad the one that, my oldest son graduates on the 22nd of may which i'm excited to see awesome. that and be part of that that's kind of crazy to me yeah. and then on the 27th i fly to nashville to um i'll be sitting in with the trickster guys that day steve brown reached out to me and said hey you want to jam some i was like of course always I mean, uh, I always say yes to stuff. <laughs> yeah. I learned that that's a good way to get in with a lot of folks. Just say, yeah, and figure well, it out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be hitting you up soon. Yeah. I'd love to. And then, uh, the 28th Vixen plays at the creatures fest though. So this creatures fest thing in Nashville is very interesting. It's all these former kiss members, Peter, Chris, Ace Freely, yeah. Bruce Kulick, and supposedly Vinnie Vincent's supposed yeah. to make an appearance as well. And um, and then a bunch of other bands, Vixen's playing, uh, Enough's Enough's playing, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd. This band called Quarantine, which was uh, uh, Chris Jericho, the wrestler, and my buddy Kent, who plays for Luke Bryan and a bunch of other, and uh, PJ Farley, actually, from uh, Trickster, Trickster is part of that. And they play all this, like, 80s deep cut kiss stuff. So I'm, like, stoked awesome. to see that. I was like, you know, there's keyboards on all that stuff, right, guys? Come on, call me. <laughs> and um, so I'm doing that. And then I fly to Kansas City on the 29th to do a thing, a similar jam called Purple Jam that I started years ago that is just celebrates Prince music. We're playing Prince music all night long. And then I fly right back to Nashville on the 30th to do Rare Hair number 13, which is a tribute to uh, the producer, Michael Wagner. Uh, he, yeah. he, he, he retired last year. So we're like, Hey, let's do a show for you. So he picked nice. 10 of said, pick 10 of your favorite songs that you've ever done. And then I'll pick the rest and then we'll, we'll, we'll get up and jam. And it'll be a lot of fun. Nice. And I'm going to stay there in Nashville for the rest of the week and play, just, you know, play down on Broadway, what I can pick up. And then I'll be back to Kansas city <clears throat> to play a country gig on the 3rd of June with a uh, country artist named Noe Palma. So that's, that's uh, at least that's kind of what's coming up immediately. So you're, um, mixing up, you're mixing up your, your uh, 
you know, glory days of MTV headband yeah. ball stuff with some country gigs and maybe some right. wedding gigs and right. you're just yeah. all over the place. I know it's like I, I, I know like three or four of you and are rocks throw away from me and yeah. um, it's a you're you're like a it's called a working a, musician. That's right. Yeah. And you're you're keeping <laughs> that's, uh, like, you're keeping uh, that's how I like it. Yeah. 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 Keep uh you, you just you just stay in constant motion, as uh, Mike Portnoy yeah. would say. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. um, is you know you you I here's where I'm uh, I say I, I feel guilty. You sent me some links for some country records that you produced as well as yeah. played on. And um, I, yeah, I, I feel bad because I haven't pressed play on those. I couldn't That's get the right. link to work. Whatever. Sure. Um, and I want to because um, I think that we could probably uh, work together. Yeah, I love the stuff you sent me. That was so much fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say I was uh, hoping to get you on at least one of my country songs. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so the one that I did, I just produced one record for a guy named Du Pendleton. And I heard that voice and I heard his songs. And I was like, man, you need to make a record. Let's just do it. And he's like, awesome. okay. And so we did, we did it the Nashville way. I brought in a bunch of session guys. Wow. We knocked out all the bedrock tracks for all 12 tracks in two days. Wow. And then we went back, did all the overdubs and the vocals and all the stuff, uh, you know, in subsequent days after that. And um, it came out, I don't know, last year or maybe two years ago. My timeline is completely screwed up because of 2020, but right. Um, and it's an amazing record that not very many people have heard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, because I don't, I just, I know how to make records. I'm not really great with the on the business side of promoting things like that. Um, do you produce normally? Do you is that like a regular thing that you um, like to do? I'd like to do a lot more of it. Yeah. I, I, but I'm, I'm also kind of picky about what I would do, and also, um, mm. it's just I haven't found a lot. I, I, I haven't found a lot of artists who I want to just dive that deeply and like I did with him because he had so many songs and none of them sucked, you know, like they were, I was like, God, every song was better than the next. And so I was like, we got to do something, man. I, I think I can make something out of all this. So I, he just came to my house and I basically, what I did was I put a click track on like a, a metronome. I said, just play piano and sing. And then when he left, I just took, his vocal track and his piano track. Sometimes I use his piano, sometimes I didn't. And I just built songs around all of his, what he did and rearranged some stuff. In some cases, I played all the instruments or programmed the drums or played the drums or whatever it was, and then demoed all the songs. <clears throat> so that way the musicians would have something to work off of. And then we all wrote charts right there on the fly in the studio and just, and then we just recorded it live. You know, we don't, it wasn't like one thing at a time. Everybody just plays it together. Cause that's kind of the Nashville way of making records. Yeah. That seems normal. That seems it's very awesome. normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like on the stuff that I've got, I, you know, there was a process where I had to figure out how this goes and how that goes. And, and, uh, yeah. And ultimately, they just use my used my vocal and then a pro band who plays together all the time. Yeah, uh, just learned all the songs over at my buddy's right. house, and he pressed right. record, and they played them live. Right. And you know what's crazy? They used my click track and my vocal, and he just went, 
and yep. it fit perfect. That's it. That's all you got to do. <laughs> what? I was like, how did you do that? Yeah, that's how you uh, do it. And the guy and my my guy who makes it, Darren, he goes, he goes, it's called singing in time. Right. It's called you're 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 nice with the click. You yeah. I mean, that's why click. if you have somebody that can sing to a click, then, you know, it's probably going to do OK. You can go back and edit and do what you need to do. Yeah. Well, that's amazing that you that you wanted to help uh, him out. And uh, who was it something that he funded that, or was it just a uh, we kind of all did it together, oh, like yeah, okay. me and he and he threw in some money. And even one of the ladies that worked at the bar, like we just kind of pulled money where we could. And, yeah, that's fair. and knew that's that we super, would eventually just pay ourselves back somehow. Super special. That's yeah. Super. You believe you're believers. That's really what it came down to. Yeah. It's like this stuff is too good to not get out there somehow. Yeah. yeah. Man, dude that's, Pendleton. that's community. Wow. <laughs> that's serious, dude. There's just not enough of that love, man. Yeah. Wow. Huge. Wow. Tyson, well, we could talk for three more hours. You realize that your, <laughs> yeah. pe your pedigree, let's don't talk about how not rich you are, but your pedigree is just uh, oh. incredible. You've worked with, Thanks. you know, from Megadeth to, you know, Tracy Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. like what, yeah. you know, it's a pretty big leap there. Yeah, but yeah, so, that, but that says something about your your abilities. So if you can, uh, if you're able to get work in all those different genres, and yeah, and, well, I'm a fan of it all. Like, I mean, I, I Megadeth and Metallica and Slayer and all those big. You know, it's been really trippy becoming friends with the guys from Anthrax and stuff because those guys taught me how to play guitar. Like, it's what I really cut my. Like, as much as I love the whole like L.A you know i guess hair metal scene for lack of a better word sure. um the thrash genre is what that was the challenge it's like i could pick really fast and 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 that kind of the intricacies of how they were able to um just you know time changes and all the stuff it was all you know very progressive rock and On it just time, played really really fast precision <laughs> it's pre yeah. called yeah. precision playing that alternate picking you know the thrash and that's what i loved about it was challenging and I cut my teeth on a lot of that stuff. And so that's kind of where the appreciation for that genre came from. So when I did the Megadeth cruise and helped David, um, he was like, Hey, I want you to help me, you know, with the all-star jam, we're doing this big all-star jam where we're doing a bunch of kiss songs. I was like, okay, right. and I walk into the rehearsal. I'm like, uh, my whole fucking childhood is sitting right here in this room. <laughs> I, just, yep. I see Scott and Charlie up on the drums and guitar and, and, and Alex from Testament playing Steely Dan songs. And, yeah. and then Bobby from Overkill and guys from Death Angel and all these. I was like, oh, my God, this is I'm supposed to be in charge of these people. Yeah. They don't know who I am. How am I supposed to do this? But I, I, you know, I put on the right hat at the time. And I basically all I was there for was to help him schedule the rehearsal out so they weren't just sitting around all day waiting on their turn to do what they needed to do right and um i'm pretty good with time management when it comes to that kind of stuff so yeah. so i just put on the hat and said hey guys i'm tyson i'm just helping dave so scott charlie stay there you're on the first two songs uh chuck from testament you come on over because you're on this one bobby go get lunch i'll see you in two hours because you're not going to be here for a while and we just kind of yeah, and we got through it, and it went really, really well. It was that's, super fun. That's, that's called that's a director. 
<laughs> you were a director. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's serious. That's awesome. that's, I do a little bit of that for the School of Rock. I'm one of the nice. directors. Yeah, I work, I work in a competing school here okay. in KC as a substitute right. teacher. In fact, yesterday I made a student cry for the first time in a really long time. Well, you know, there's... <laughs> There is crying in rock and roll. I don't there, care what, what there they is. There, there is. was yesterday. That's for yeah, sure. Right. Well, it was a learning experience for you and the kid, right? Yeah. Always. Every time. Yeah. yeah. Or there's these kids that come in and I'm like, you know, like there was one girl. Um, that's probably my daughter's age around 11 or 12. And I'm just like, so yeah, just go ahead and play. And I'm thinking to myself, I couldn't play this shit to save my life right now. Like it was, you know, Hayden, like sonata pretty complex classical song my reading has gone way down from when i was a kid you know so i was just like yeah now just play that again a little bit faster i was just like how am i going to fill this half an hour and not let this person know that i have no idea how to play this song at all like i could <laughs> i can read it while she's playing it but i couldn't play it for her i would embarrass I, I, myself i have some bass i have some bass students i'm actually uh directing a, a rush versus primus show right now <laughs> that's appropriate so there's, nice so there's like 11 there's like 11 year to like 16 17 year old and the is the you know the hell's playing primus in that age that's boys amazing and girls well <clears throat> there's like a there's this kid atticus that uh is playing the majority of the primus songs and he's got a, wow. his own six string and he's you know he's on, here you go he's on jerry and he's on he's on tom and jerry tommy the cat jerry yeah. was a race car driver yeah. stop if you can nice. play those songs on bass you probably right. know you probably know what's going on yeah but see i can play i can play jerry no problem okay but tommy the cat i've been yeah. struggling with for two years like when i sat down and tried to do it just to get that fluidity with my right hand, it's still yeah. just sloppy. I well, can't do it. Well, well, I'm the kid's bass teacher. So imagine me sitting and I don't, I, I can't, you know, like he's like, we're sitting there trying to figure out that. That's the easiest part of the song, though. Oh, honestly. Shit. Well, well, we were having the we were having issues with how fast that needed to be. That Yeah, I mean, that's fast for anybody. Sure. But to, to yeah. get to the, but the main to, riff is the hardest part. That's just like, just he didn't to have do that. any problem with that. It was, that's awesome. To, yeah. That's so, awesome. Anyway, <laughs> it, that's me going, how am I going to fill up this 45 minute lesson where I'm just watching a 13 year old blow wow. my mind? On that's page. incredible. <laughs> the that's rush, great. The rush, I no problem. It. Cause I'm more of a rush guy, but sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Hey, well, we uh, got to get you to play bass at the next Rare Hair, and then next time you're on the boat, man. If it's if it's a Kiss song prior to 1980, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do not put the X in sex. I no, me I, neither. I, I do not. God, God, God. So I just not, did this songwriter camp with Desmond Child. God did Child not give and rock I, and roll to me. I, I oh, so I played that on the Megadeth cruise with Doro Pesh. Oh no. And I got to the solo section and I couldn't hear where I was. Uh oh. I started it a half step off. Oh, wait, it was so bad. I was so oh, no. mortified. Here's, here's all my heroes watching me just shit all over this guitar solo. Oh, well. <laughs> like, oh, no. At least it was a song that Jason doesn't like. Yeah, so. That's true. It's okay if you mess that one up. 
<laughs> Neither did anybody else. That's why nobody else was going to play it except you, for me. Like, up, yeah, I'll take the song nobody else wants. Mess That's up fine. God of Thunder or making making love or I want you <laughs> or something like that. We gotta talk. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just did the songwriter camp with Desmond Child over the weekend and who wrote you know, who put the let's put the ex co wrote that song with them. Right. And I'm like, I kinda wanted to go with them to him and just be like, you know what? <laughs> All of your songs are great, but two. And both yeah. of those two songs are fucking kiss songs. What were you thinking? You know, because um, he actually, did that. You make me rock hard song too. It is awful. It's so bad. I, I got to write a song, write lyrics with Desmond over the phone. Uh, okay. A three <laughs> hour phone. It was like a three hour phone call in 1989. And so think about the year that I just said, what was the song phone call? Um, anybody, I was going to make it a trivia. Anybody ah. in here know what song? It's a dangerous toy song, of course. I figured it was. <laughs> did you? Did it make an album? Off the yeah. second album? Yeah. It's not no, album. it's not. It's. Uh, I'll give you one clue. It's not on an al uh, an a dangerous toys album. Oh wow! Oh. It's a so, dangerous. Uh, oh, toys is it the one off Shocker? Demon yes. Bill. Yes. Yeah, I love that song. Oh, We're actually doing that song. So what? the next rare hair after, uh, the the next one after. The Michael Wagner one is rare hair goes to the movies. And well, then we're doing what's that. Fun song. is no one's going to really recognize that unless they're like a, a horror movie fan. Right. Right. But that song, that soundtrack was great. And that song, Demon Bell, was my favorite one on the soundtrack. So shit. Thank you very much. I fucking love that song. <laughs> yeah. That song yeah. used to be called Dangerous Toys, which is totally oh, okay. ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was awesome working with uh, working with Desmond Child. He was he was like, I didn't realize how flamboyant is a good word for that. Hey, yes. buddy, how you doing? Hey, right. Buddy. Oh, all right. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> what do you have right now? And I'm reading him what I. It was bizarre. You know, That's so funny. Uh, just talking to him and like getting in his reactions and his di his personal dynamic. It was fucking great because he's good at what he does. Yes, he is. Very, yeah. very good at what he does. Yeah. It's yeah. like, dude, what the hell? How are, why are you writing a song with me? You know, I didn't ask him that. But sure. It was the Alice Cooper connection because Alice yeah. was all over that soundtrack. Well, yeah, because he did Poison, too, for Alice right. Cooper. Well, and, and it was a live productions that produced the soundtrack and the movie. Okay. You know, that's his management company. So. Okay. He was, right he was, you know, his people were executives on that project. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Tyson, I got to say, you know, we should probably wrap it. We've been here. Yeah, yeah. My kids just got home and stuff, so I'm going to yeah. go hang with them. I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. It was nice to meet you, Tyson. Yeah, uh, you too. Continued success uh, with all you do, and uh, hopefully one of these one one of these days you'll roll through Texas on some tour you're, you're involved with, and maybe we can uh, catch up I'd and meet in person. Yeah, because yeah, last time we played there was – Ooh, we played in Austin, um, but it was like maybe 2017 or so. It's been a long time since we've been back through yeah, there. That was with Vixen? Yeah. Where'd you? Yeah, it was us and the Iron Maidens somewhere. I don't remember where. Oh, oh no, okay. we did this thing. I take that back. We did this. It was almost like a festival. It was Warren and Striper and Queensryche were on it and oh. us. I don't, and it was a big, it was a small arena almost. I don't remember where it was, but it was really was fun. It in Cedar Park? Was it the Cedar Park Center? Uh, -E I, Center? I think you're Maybe. I think you might be right. That Jeff. sounds right. That sounds yeah, right, actually. Been. Yeah, yeah, it might have been that. I just saw Judas Priest and Queen's Rock there. Nice, it was a great venue. 
It's a yeah, great it was super fun. We had yeah. a blast. <clears throat> well, Tyson, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, uh, what, what a what a career! What a what a great bunch of stories. We enjoyed picking your brain today. <laughs> awesome. On behalf of my co-host Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave. Special thanks to our guest Tyson Leslie today on the Talk Louder podcast. 